All right, let's do this. Another episode of Keo Conversations. My name is Mark Champagne, and I unpack these stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game, personally and professionally. Here's an interesting question for all of us. If the moon can control the tides, what else can it do? Today we have Jill with us and she is amazing at breaking down the power of this energy in a really practical and relatable way. As a trained neuroscientist who has studied at John Hopkins and someone who has also had astrology and yoga part of her life for the past 20 plus years, she really has this beautiful talent being able to connect and open up the minds of people to a whole other set of wonderful world practices. If you are enjoying these conversations, please give us some love wherever you're listening with those lovely stars or a written review. Lastly, the podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of Keel, our daily reflection app. All of these awesome guests end up in app to help guide you through your reflection. Give it a spin. It's in the Apple App Store. All you have to do is search K-Y-O. Thanks as always for giving us your attention today and have the absolute best day yet. Jill, who are you? <laughs> like the caterpillar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, I'm just a woman on a mission, <laughs> basically, to um, help heal the world, or at least heal as many people who I come into contact with and who come in contact with my work. Um, and ultimately, um, I'm on a mission to help raise the vibration uh, of the planet. Love it. Seems like a pretty lofty goal. <laughs> <laughs> but we can all use that for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's only lofty if you think about it as an abstract. Um, I feel like I make uh, steps, baby steps towards it every day. So it sure. doesn't really feel lofty at all to me, actually. <laughs> Amazing. Well, so, so why don't we just jump right into that? I, lo- I love that, that approach to it because I, even, even for myself with, with all the different practices that we've been talking about on, on this podcast and through our app, I mean, they all compound together. And I feel like every day, you know, it just, it just becomes easier and easier to A, adopt different practices, be open to what you can get out of these things. And then B, you know, just, just opens up a whole other world, right? So I, why, don't, why, don't you, why don't you chat a little bit about how you see this as, as not as lofty as a goal? Um, well, I mean, I just think that when you're actually like just doing stuff and just taking steps um, and just baby steps, but you're working on it every day. And that's what I feel like I do is that um, through, you know, my posts, through my blogs, through my workbooks, um, I am doing something every day to sort of get towards my goal. And uh, in that inspiring people to believe in themselves that they can get to whatever dream they have, um, and all it really requires is just, uh, sort of focus and being very particular about where you put your energy and how you spend your energy. Um, and, you know, making those tiny steps and winning those tiny victories every day. And then that's what, you know, kind of comes together and creates the bigger picture. Sure. And has that Jill, has that always been a part 
of your life. Like, why don't we back up a little bit with some of your education and in you know, a kind of where you're coming from uh, with all of your work, but has this been a part of your DNA since you're uh, little? Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to know. Um, sure. <laughs> sort of what I was born with, but um, definitely everything I've done in my life um, has been sort of in accordance with this, uh, you know, dream just to, you know, spread healing, spread knowledge, spread wisdom, um, you know, and raise consciousness, uh, probably starting from, you know, as far back as I can remember, you know, being a teenager and studying psychology, um, and studying astrology and studying crystals. Um, you know, I got onto all of these things before I was even 16. Um, so it definitely was something that was, um, sort of on, on the forefront of, of my mind, um, and everything I've done. And it, it's interesting because I've done a lot and people are like, wow, you've sort of, you know, uh, crossed a lot of career paths in your life and they all sort of have this one central theme to them. Um, so no matter what I've done or what I've studied, whether it be, you know, psychology or neuroscience or Reiki or Chinese medicine, it, it's all had this, uh, theme to it. So it's, it's all the same thing in my mind, just different lenses. Oh, I love that. It makes sense. Completely makes sense. But was there a point Jill, like, where where it all because it the way you're speaking, I, I can't help but notice. I mean, it's it's just seems so natural, which obviously then then it is in your life, right? That all of these things are are linking well together. But was there a point in in your life where you felt ah, this is this is kind of the path for me, or I'm not doing something that is 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 meant f- for for myself, or like was was there were there any trigger points in your journey? Yeah, there was definitely there was definitely times where I exited, um, okay. and you know, and that's why when I teach people about like intention setting, and um, you know, every month I tell people like, hey, you know, r- you know, look back at your intentions from a month ago. Like, you're allowed to change. You're allowed to, um, you know, you're, you're allowed to change your direction. Uh, it's your life and it's your course. And, you know, we get into things wholeheartedly, um, you know, and I've always followed my intuition. It's always led me into different places. And, you know, sometimes, you know, four or five years go by and you wake up and, and um, it's just time to leave and that's okay. And I encourage that as well, because I think that's sort of part of the process. Um, and these pieces are, are part of the process. Um, so, you know, I remember when I was, I was studying neurogenetics at Johns Hopkins, for instance, and I knew it was time to leave. And, um, it, you know, everybody thought I was crazy for leaving because it was top research university. And, um, you know, I sort of had it set at a young age. And I kind of had had made it to the top, uh, so to speak. But for me, I knew it wasn't it wasn't right, and so I, I stayed true to myself and I left, even okay. though everybody thought I was crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 fair. <laughs> but I think, I think I think you bring up a really good point, and and what I'd love to probe on a little bit is, I think a lot of people, and, and myself included, I, I fall into that at one point was you, you, we do feel the you know, there, there's definitely something that comes out right naturally and you say, ah, something feels a little bit off, but I'd say 90% of the people don't do something about that. So, you know, what, what gave you the strength or the, 
confidence or courage, wh- however you'd like to describe it, to actually go ahead and, and okay, you've, you've, you've recognized it. That's one thing. But then it, secondly, okay, now you're actually going to do something about it. Yeah, I, you know, that is probably something that I was born with. <laughs> okay. um, just because I, uh, I just don't um, have a lot of fear of the unknown, I guess. And I think ultimately, when people are in a comfortable position, and they're in a comfort zone, uh, and they have that nagging feeling that something's not right, uh, it's ultimately fear that um, disempowers them and prevents them from making a leap or a jump. And a lot of times it's fear of the unknown, right? That's how we get stuck in familiar places, uh, including everything, jobs, relationships. It's it, We as humans are attracted to what's familiar. Um, it's in our, it's in our genes, you know? Um, so it, it's how we evolved is to, you know, stay with the familiar. It's safe. Um, so I don't have a lot of fear of the unknown. I actually, um, enjoy it and, and I relish in the unknown and I, I love the potential of it. Um, and that probably is just something that is genetic, uh, in a lot of ways. And, you know, probably if you wanted to get really scientific, we could, you know, look at different genes for like risk-taking behavior, for instance. Um, and so, and so I don't really, um, I don't have a lot of that fear personally. And so it makes it, it, it makes it easier for, for me in some ways. And I think than some other people to just like quit a job and jump into the unknown, you know, with no money and, you know, just sort of like let all go. Um, but, you know, I think that I'm, I don't, I don't think I'm unique in that. I think that, uh, once people sort of become aware of the fact that it's a pattern, um, that they're just going through by, by staying in the familiar, that they can shift it and they can change it. Um, but a a lot of people are, are unaware that they're even doing it in the first place. I love how you use the word pattern. I mean, I often talk about, and, and this is just going through the process of actually creating Keo, but just uh, a lot of the work that we're doing and, and people that I'm speaking with is uh, is all around kind of breaking that autopilot, right? Um, which which reminds me of, of, you know, just that familiar pattern. So what are, I, I think you're right. I mean, they're, they're, you're not unique, but I, I, if I had to guess on, a, on averages, there's probably more people that, kind of struggle with that, that fear of the unknown and need some help on a, how to, how to realize that, right. Or, or, or break that pattern. So any, any advice on what people could do if there's practices or mindsets that, to help chip away at that? Oh yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely lots of practices um, that people can do. There's lots of journaling that, um, you know, I'm a big proponent of journaling. And I think, um, just really understanding what it is that, that you want, uh, in the first place. And, um, you know, for instance, I had a practice for years. I don't do it that much. So anymore, but for about 10 years, I would write five things I had to do every day. And then five things that, um, I wanted to eventually do in my life. And they could be anything at all, like, you know, sailing the world or, um, you know, writing a book. Um, and 
that you, you get to see the pattern in this case, a good pattern of uh, what keeps popping up in that list of things that you really want to do. And I think eventually if you get really clear on what your dreams are and what, and what you do want um, that you can no longer deny them. And then, so that sort of um, soul, you know, that comes out of that, that kind of that, that freedom that your soul eventually ends up craving, which is the freedom to, to do these, these dreams basically to pursue them um, takes over. And I, I believe that it overrides that fear of the unknown. Um, and that you can become so clear that you're willing to get uncomfortable. Right. And I said this on another podcast I did, you know, that's like the key is just getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and you can sort of like get, get over that, um, once the desire to pursue your dreams takes over and then you deal with the unknown, you deal with being uncomfortable because you know, there's sort of like, uh, a means to the end, you know, you know, you know, there's a purpose and, and you can no longer deny it. There's just so many rich things that you've said in the, in that, in those few lines. Um, and I I think what, what I love about what you said is, just getting comfortable in, in the uncomfortable. Right. And, and I think like people can really relate to that when it comes to physical training, right. Or sports and, and, and training at high levels that, okay, you're going to stress your body physically, um, at the time of the event. So then obviously, you know, you want to do a lot of prep and training prior to the event, put your body in, in, in states that, you know, that are again, uncomfortable so that when you're at the event, you're, you're performing at the top of your game. Um, unfortunately, or maybe we should say fortunately, things are changing, but I I think people have a little bit of a harder time to see that from the mental perspective, which Mm -hmm. is exactly what you're, what you're describing. So, um, I love that. So, so for, for the journaling, was that, was that a daily practice? And and I guess you're just Mm -hmm. seeing, okay, so you're seeing the same items coming up over and over again, and then you're getting Mm -hmm. into repetition. That's really neat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you just kind of see it and then you can see, you know, you can look back over the years even and just sure. see what, what it is. Um, and then, you know, I, I think eventually once, once we're really clear about what our dreams are, that's what propels us to take, to take the leap. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I talk about in my journals every month is, you know, what's your dream? Like write your dream. I, you know, we utilize the new moon to help um, clarify the dreams every month. And, you know, and then encouraging belief in that dream and that you you can get to any dream that you possibly dare to dream. And it may take some steps into the unknown. It, it probably will. It's going to be hard. You know, I, I never promise that it's going to be easy. Um, you know, I, I'm... I'm not naive in the fact that, you know, I don't believe like things just happen overnight. Um, I believe that once we get really clear and we start calling in the right energy and align sort of with our intentions, um, that things do speed up and happen at a rapid pace. But it doesn't mean that it's necessarily an easy road. It doesn't mean that there won't be days where we feel stress or we feel anxiety or fear of some sort or we even feel depression. You know, it's, it's all part of the process. Um, and it's sort of that, that trust 
in that, you know, if you just keep taking the little steps every day um, and believe in yourself that, that, you know, you're going to get there. Yeah. Well, so it's funny. I wrote a quote and you're, you're obviously well familiar with this. It's, it's coming off of your website and I wanted to ask you about it, but it's by uh, Albert uh, Schweitzer. Hopefully I'm saying the last name properly, but, and, and it reads everything eventually all things fall into place until then laugh at the confusion live for the moments and know everything happens for a reason so yeah based on that last uh, round of comments I, I can see you really live by that that line Where, wh- when did that first come up in your life um i think like my whole life <laughs> sure sure <laughs> but does that come from like life. your upbringing or is your family you know always no. been like that or no, no, no. My family's like really stable. Uh, it's kind of funny. My parents are together still. They've been together, okay. you know, over 40 years. Um, they, you know, my dad was an electrician. My mom was in finance. Okay. So um, they are two earth signs. You know, one's a Virgo, one's a Capricorn. They're uh, extremely stable routine people you know my dad did the same thing every day he had the same schedule my okay. mom same thing so um you know i think some people like think i like grew up in a van as a hippie like traveling around oregon or something you know <laughs> and, um i kind of exude that sometimes um and i i think that came later and in that sense and who knows maybe it was in part um, a rebellion against the, the structure that, that I had. I mean, I had a wonderful upbringing, mm-hmm. um, but there definitely was, you know, some, some part of me that, um, y- you know, when I turned a teenager, just wanted to, to know more and explore more. And, um, you know, I traveled all around and, you know, I followed the Grateful Dead. <laughs> Amazing. You know, and I, um, you know, I was very sort of into counterculture type things. Um, And, you know, a lot of people are like, how did you learn all this stuff? And I was just like, well, you know, I was a hippie in the woods for a long time. And then, you know, I got into psychology and I got some credentials under my belt. And, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, I was very much a split person um just because because of uh sure. sort of my schooling and then my extracurricular activities um but yeah you know and i've uh i've had i've had a, i've led myself into a roller coaster of a life i guess because that's just what my spirit called for sure but it, it's interesting because when you said uh like your parents are very stable Uh, immediately Mm -hmm. that resonated with, I mean, we've only been talking for a few minutes, but everything that you've said to me um, shows stability in your mind. So Mm -hmm. it's quite, I mean, obviously you've you've got a different path or different journey than, than your parents, but that, that underlying stability aspect seems quite prominent with, with your mind, like, or, or or there's clarity there, right. Mm -hmm. Um, Through, all the different experiences. So it's, it's, it's an interesting parallel that at least I'm seeing as an outsider yeah. who, who doesn't know you, you know, yeah. very well. Well, there's trust. I, I think sure. that's what it is. There's trust. And, um, you know, and, and maybe it is for my upbringing or, or who knows, but I just, I have no fear of rock bottom. I have no fear of failure um, because I, I trust you know, I actually trust the um, stableness of the ground beneath me. 
Yeah. You know, I'm not worried about the the ground, you know, falling apart. And when it has, because it, it has, I've I've not lived like a completely charmed life or anything. I've definitely been, you know, through some some hard times and difficult situations. Um, and even when the ground has fallen out from underneath of me, I've still been able to find my footing. Um, and so because of that, you know, even more so I'm willing to take risks and I'm willing to take leaps because I, I, I trust that no matter what, I can always pick myself up. I can always make the best out of any situation and I can always make it work. And furthermore, I can always find the silver lining. And this is, this is something my mother speaking about my mom has said about me since I was a kid is that no matter what, I've always been able to find the silver lining of anything. Um, so, you know, I can sort of really take those lemons and turn them into lemonade. Okay. And so how do you continue? I mean, uh, it's clear this, this has been uh, a part of your, your journey for a long time, let's just say, but are you consciously doing reading or, or, or practicing certain, you know, practices, let's say, or routines to continue to strengthen those, those skills. And if you are like, what, what are some of the things that, that people can, uh, start doing? Um, I mean, I still journal every day. Uh, I meditate every day. Um, those are, are really foundational pieces. Um, I know immediately when I, when I skip my meditation, I can feel it immediately throughout the day. It's just, things are a little off. Um, and you know, I, I try and take time for myself in the morning, um, where I have, you know, trying to meditate, journal, pull some cards. Those are the things that, you know, I do for, for myself, but there's definitely days. I mean, you know, I'm running a a pretty big business now. And so my life has shifted in many ways. Sure. (laughs) And, um, and, you know, sometimes there's not always the time that I like to, to spend, um, on myself. And, you know, I think I have a strong enough foundation that, um, it still does stay, stay with me. Yeah. But I think what's key is, and, and I love what you're saying about that. Cause like no one is perfect. Right. And, and you're, you're mm-hmm. acknowledging that as well. But I mean, the, like you said, the foundation is there and the intent is there and, you know, on, on average, I mean, let's, let's even use this podcast, for example, right. We're trying to book something and, like, no way are we getting into the morning. And I totally respect that. I mean, I have a similar practice, (laughs) right? So, like, just those things alone, you could have easily said yes to this, and then all of a sudden you're saying yes to something else, and now you're snowballing and your morning's gone, right? Right. So, there's... Right, Boundaries. Exactly. No, 100%. Yeah. So, when talking about meditation and, and journaling or why don't we go to the meditation like what is there a specific type of meditation or, or practice that um that uh, f- falls into your, your routine lately or i'm assuming that's probably changed over the years as well but what are you doing right now um i'm actually a pretty hardcore vipassana meditator um okay that's my meditation so uh are you familiar with vipassana no i'm not Okay. Uh, Vipassana meditation, um, it's the, the silent retreats that you may have heard people yeah. go on. It's, um, so to, tr- to train in it, um, you do like a 10-day silent retreat 
um, where, you know, you don't talk, you meditate for 11 hours a day. Um, and there's been several, uh, programs that's uh, spun off from Vipassana, like mindfulness based stress reduction that John Kabat-Zinn did, um, over in, uh, Massachusetts there. Um, and then there's, uh, yeah, Jack Cornfield is also, uh, started out as a Vipassana meditator. So it's a pretty sort of fundamental, uh, meditation technique. It was, um, sort of spread around the world by um, someone named Goenka, who was uh, an Indian man. I guess you'd call him a guru of sorts. Okay. you call him that. Um, but anyway, there's Vipassana centers all around the world. And so um, it's sort of one of those things that I feel and everybody I've talked to has done like a 10-day Vipassana retreat. Um, you you sort of end up, that's just your meditation for the rest of your life. So. Okay. What, what was like, what was the turning factor? Because that, that's really interesting to me. I mean, I'm just getting started on the, I mean, it's been a couple of years, but I'd say I'm doing more of a mantra-based uh, meditation at, at this point. But I've heard yeah. what you're saying with, I just recently heard a, a, a a podcast with Tim Ferriss and I, he, I think he just went to a silent retreat with Jack Cornfield and is probably doing that exact type of meditation. So I'm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I started out in meditation with like a mantra based meditation because that's, um, that's just, you know, uh, sort of the most accessible in a lot of ways. And then I did a mindfulness stress based reduction program, uh, with Jefferson university and this was years ago, and um, there was elements of the Vipassana in in there, and I became really interested um, in it. And it's a little daunting. It's kind of you know, it's definitely like oh, ten days being silent. Um, and I met a friend uh, sort of right around that same time, and she was a very serious Vipassana meditator. She had done it for eight years, and. Um, and she was just like, you've got to go. And it's one of those like fear things, like yeah. going back to the fear. And she's like, you know, it's so it's in the mind. It's so scary for a lot of people just because, you know, you're sitting, you're totally cut off from the world. No cell phones. You know, you're not, you can't even make eye contact with anybody, you know, while you're passing a salt, for instance. <laughs> um, and so it's, you know, it's this sort of form of isolation and, um, you know, it was just one of those things you just have to do. You just jump into it. Sure. And I did my first uh, one and I actually, I never got chicken pox as a kid and I, I got the chicken pox at the Vipassana retreat. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so I'm sitting there like meditating and, you know, thinking, oh, That's I have insane. meat coming up my spine. And I think <laughs> it was like energy because Vipassana, <laughs> you, you, you do this like body scan and you scan the sensations and okay. it's supposed to be like you're kind of peeling off layers and layers of energy and like things are rising to the surface and you're just supposed to observe them and let them go. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, you know, I've got this, like, these things, this heat's coming up. And I feel like I have a fever. Like, you know, <laughs> and the thing is like all part of the process, you know. And um, <laughs> and wow. whole, you know, three days in, I was like, yeah, I think these are chicken pox. And, you know, I, <laughs> I went and I talked to, I broke the silence and I talked to one of the, the helpers. And I was like, yeah, I'm not Buddha. I don't think I can do this sure. chicken pox. And so they actually sent me home. Oh, um, wow. Okay. You know, for, for good reason, which you're not supposed to do. You're like, that's one of the things with the 10 days. You're not supposed to leave because it's a little jarring. 
but I made it through that. And then I um, got over the chicken pox and I did two more um, pasta <laughs> retreats oh, after wow, that. Okay. Cause I was just determined. I was like, okay, well not really have to do a second one. Um, and you know, it just kind of, it, it just became my, my practice. Okay. And, um, like I said, I think that if you probably took a survey of like people who have done that retreat, most of them, it just becomes their, their meditation. I know for me, that was the case. Sure. It's, it's, um, there's really, there's really no other true comparison to it. Um, for me. So let's talk a little bit about the retreat because, um, that same podcast I mentioned with, um, with Tim Ferriss, he, I, he talked a little bit about how, I mean, it was a life-changing experience for him, but he said, I wouldn't suggest it for someone that that's not ready. Cause it, it could really, um, I guess his fear was he could have entered back into society really messed up if he didn't have actually, in this case, it was Jack, uh, by his side. So I'm curious, since, since you've done it a couple of times and, and you kind of made mention of the fact that people don't normally just leave, right? Mm-hmm. for for various reasons like any any comments or thoughts on that for yourself or other people that have gone through it or people that are thinking of hey um i'd like to try something like this out yeah i mean i um i i would not suggest getting the chicken pox there. Yeah, yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> um and i think that it it is jarring to leave halfway through for sure um just because you do get into a state um i think that some people just are scared of their own mind um because you really have to confront everything within you Mm -hmm. there's there's no escape and um and you know it just sort of depends where you are in your life um i think that sort of if somebody's finding themselves like obsessing over thoughts, for instance, like after a breakup, um, you know, just as an example, you know, where you get into that, like repeating, it it doesn't stop. It just goes over and and over again. Um, then that it may not be like, that would be an instance where it might not serve you well to sit in the woods for 10 days. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, everybody's, everybody's different. And, um, you know, I, I don't know of any like extreme cases, um, I think if, you know, there's like extreme mental illness, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, Vipassana is probably not, not the thing to do. Um, you know, and they even sort of make you, they, they make you sign like a waiver, um, before you go in. I don't know if it's really a waiver, but like a questionnaire, uh, just to make sure that, you know, you don't have any sort of existing mental conditions. Sure. Um, cause you know, that, that probably wouldn't be good. Um, but I mean, I, it was great for me you know, and it definitely, and I was going through a lot in my life at the time when I went, um, and probably not everybody who was in my situation would have chosen to to go to something like Vipassana. Um, but I really do think it is a life changing experience and that it's one of those things that if you're willing to wander into the unknown and, and leave your comfort zone, because you definitely do, um, it's a worthwhile experience and it can train you to leave your comfort zones and wander into the unknown in other circumstances. Cause if you can do that in your own mind and your own body, you can do that 
you know, with your job or your relationship or anything else, it all becomes small potatoes after, after conquering your own mind. Well, that's what, I mean, I'm just fascinated with all of this because on our, on our side, as you know, we work really with a lot of powerful questions, right? And one of the big obstacles that I see, you know, starting everything we're doing with Keo is exactly what you said. People are, are, are scared, right, to actually answer those questions. And mm-hmm. it, it seems trivial, but it's something as simple of, as am I happy could be a really loaded process, right, if, if the answer is no, and you have to unpack that. Right. So, yeah, you know, just, just going back to what you were saying about the, about the retreat, I think entering into any of these practices with, with an open mind and being okay and, 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 and trusting the kind of that greater plan, as, as you said, and can, can go a long way. Yeah, and trusting yourself and just trusting that, you know, um, you can rely on yourself. And also knowing, you know, the the big thing for me is, um, because I've talked to a lot of people about the Vipassana retreat, and like, oh my gosh, that's so scary. Like, what if I find out I hate my life or, um, you know, all these things. And it's like, well, this stuff is inside you anyway. Like, you know, there's no real reason to be scared of your subconscious of, of becoming aware of it because the, the scary part is being unaware of your subconscious. Great point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it's in you and you, you subconsciously hate your life, well, d- don't you want to know that? <laughs> sure. That is a great <laughs> is that, point. Is that important? <laughs> um, so it's sort of, you know, there is this fear of, of, the mind in a lot of ways, but what people don't understand is you're, you're, you're acting from these patterns and from these conditioned responses and from your subconscious every day, no matter what. And, um, it's empowering to become aware of these things. Um, and you know, you don't always have to go sit in the woods for 10 days in silence, but you can certainly journal every day and start there. Um, you know, and some people I know are like scared, you know, they're scared to do that just because they're afraid of what they may uncover. Um, but really, it's just like, that's, that's the thing. It's like, we should be afraid of, of the things that we are unaware of in our own minds that are controlling us behind the scenes, you know, <laughs> yeah. like the Wizard of Oz, you know, we want to, we want to know who's behind the curtain. <laughs> it, it's so true. I'm, I've, I haven't heard of it described like that, but you nailed it. You're, you're, you're right. It's actually inside of you. So <laughs> let's deal with that. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, this is just sort of, I've, I've always been one for transformation and personal growth and, and, um, you know, I, I welcome it. And I know a lot of people, you know, there, there is a lot of fear around that and it's, it's, you know, getting back to that fear of the unknown. Um, and you know, the, the fear of the unknown within your own mind, I think is what ultimately people are the most scared about. So it's, you know, that they're, they're scared that they don't, they don't know what makes them happy or they don't know about subconscious patterns or, um, they're going to have to face something that they don't want to face or they don't know how to deal with it. You know, you may like, you may think you love your job and then you go and you you sit up a pasta course and you realize you you hate your job, you know, but then it's like, okay, well, I make a ton of money and I have a mortgage and Mm -hmm. what am I supposed to do now? You know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, there lies the fear and it's like, well, do you want to live your life subconsciously hating your job for the next, you know, 40 years or do you want to, you know, do what you need to do to change it? 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, live a happy life. And you may have to spend a couple of years a little uncomfortable figuring it out, but ultimately, hopefully you'll end up happy. Well, and and, and that's the thing, like, you know, I, I, A, obviously coming to that realization, but I think the even more important thing is it, it doesn't have to all change in one hour, right? Like, like you right. can, you can work on things or put a plan in place or whatever to, to, to kind of reduce that fear or however you, you want to handle that. But it, like you said, right? Like starts, start somewhere and start somewhere. You, yeah. And, and realize, mm-hmm. okay, you know, I don't want to be ha- unhappy for the next 40 years. And there might be a couple of years of, of, uh, uncomfort, but you're working towards, um, you know, a better life or whatever that is for you in, in, in your world. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, starting well, let's talk. I definitely want to get into, to the moon because that, that is a topic we, we have not brought up on the show at this point. So, but before that, like (laughs) any, any, like any suggestions on, let's take someone that has that, that fear, right. They've, they, Mm -hmm. they know there's, there's meditation practice, there's journaling practice, there's all these different things you can do. And they're kind of scared to start. Like any any advice on how to just take that first step with with meditation and journaling, or with changing your life? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair point. I think I, I think yeah, taking the taking the the plunge of you know there might be something something that's off, and like how do you how do you just start? I guess. Well, I think you start with like little little changes, um, and. I think that intention setting is actually very powerful to help um, create some shifts and some changes. So for instance, say, you know, you want to leave your job and pursue a a new career, build a company, whatever you want to do. You know, that's going to bring up some fear. And, you know, we think about it, well, what what do you need to do that, right? You need courage. Um, So, you know, just putting a simple statement down on a sticky note that says, I am courageous um, and putting it on your bathroom mirror, for instance, every day so that, um, so you see it every day, you know, stick it up there and and you have to see it every day. And eventually you start to believe it because, you know, you're seeing it and it creates a small shift and, you know, it's, it's, um, almost like subliminal messaging. You can trick your own mind. It's very easy. <laughs> we're so, we're such creatures of this, you know, the advertising industry has really yeah. played upon this for a very, very long time. Um, and just like, you know, girls are beating themselves up, comparing them to, you know, selves to cosmopolitan, we can put sticky notes on our mirror and it'll use the same moral pathways to start shifting <laughs> your consciousness. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so you, you, you take, you take the measure to get present with yourself and realize what it is that you want and you need. And then you write an intention like that, for instance, and you put it somewhere where you, you know, it can start to seep its way into your mind until mm-hmm. one day you believe it so much that you energetically shift into that. And then you yeah. start exuding the energy of courage. And then before you know it, you're you're making big steps to get to your dreams. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think that's really helpful. And it goes back to your dreams, right? To the, you know, writing out your five dreams or in your, your daily journaling practice. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's repetition. It's using, and I mean, maybe it is my background in neuroscience that sort of understands this. It's using the neural pathways that we already have to, um, you know, trick your mind and not even trick it, but just, you know, change, change the patterns, change your neural patterns. Yeah. Um, you know, it can be done. You, you can shift and change. They're, they're made to, they're made to change, you know, they're made to learn. So, um, and you can do it. And that's, you know, that's what intention setting really, really is. But you, you want to see it until you believe it and fake it until you make it. You know, yeah, like, yeah, fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. You know, there's a reason why that statement holds true, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't have to convince me. I mean, my current, uh, my current phone wallpaper, my lock screen is actually a, a, a page from my vision board. And I just started doing that. And I find it's already had such a different impact because I mean I, I used to look at, at at a vision board and actually Keo started from a, a vision board it's funny how that goes mm-hmm. full circle but um like ne- now obviously every time I pick my phone up it's it's there right mm-hmm. and already yeah. I've noticed such a difference yeah, mentally on um by just doing that a simple change like that but it's repetition like you're saying very, very simple. And, you know, like I had a sticky note on the inside of my mirror for like two years okay. in my last place. And it just said, I am nourishing my destiny. Oh, wow. And it was like a very simple statement. And, you know, it wasn't like, a, you know, I'm compassionate or anything like that. But there was just something about seeing it every day um, that I was like, okay, well, how am I nourishing my destiny today? Like, I believe I'm nourishing my destiny. Like, how am I doing that today? Um, and it just started creating like little shifts and little, little changes, you know, even just sort of like in my diet, you know, cause nourishing was there. I cut up yeah. sugar for a while. Um, you know, it was just like little, little things, that, you know, but it was just this sort of constant, it wasn't even a reminder. It's this constant like vibration I was aligning with, mm-hmm. right? That's what these things are. It's like this vibration you write down and then you align your vibration with it every day until, until it sticks and then it's shifted your vibration into Love something it. that can, can, you know, create these things that you want. Love it. Okay, Joe, we have to move into what's above <laughs> our head. <laughs> and and how because that's that's a huge part of your work right yes so, yes <laughs> so why don't why don't you provide a quick just a quick description of of that whole element and then we can get into a little bit more of the detail um so yeah the moon <laughs> yes <laughs> just to be clear <laughs> just to be clear we're talking about the moon um yeah so i write the new moon and the full moon workbooks every month um and they're they're based a lot upon what we're talking about. Um, it all ties in together. Um, you know, there's a common thread there. And so each month, the the moon, you know, e- each day, actually, the moon's in a different sign. Um, so I talk about that sign. I talk about the sign the new moon's going to be in. I talk about the sign the full moon's going to be in. And um, I teach people about that sign as a way of teaching them about the qualities and the vibrations of that sign. So, for instance, um, we just passed the new moon in Pisces last Saturday. And um, so the workbook was all about Pisces, but then it was really about sort of aligning with the new moon on that day and aligning with the energy of Pisces. Almost like we're kind of trying it on in a way and seeing, um, 
which parts of us need to shift um, and which parts of us need to cultivate sort of more of the Pisces energy, for instance, to um, create our dreams. Okay. Right. So it's, it's ultimately about your goals and your dreams and what you want. Um, and so you take something like Pisces, which is kind of like an all encompassing uh, sign, all encompassing energy, it's, uh, very much the observer. You have this element of like being the observer and okay, how can you apply that to your life and be the observer of your patterns of your emotions? There is a heavy emotional component to this new moon. They're not always like this, but um, this new moon in particular is a very in emotionally intense one for, for many people and for a good reason. Um, there was, you know, a lot going on in the astrological world um, that, that led us there. Um, okay. but it's sort of, you know, so I talked about like, okay, how can you be the observer and observe your emotional patterns and observe your repeating patterns that are happening, uh, in your life all the time, um, which are just these cycles that we continue on until we have real healing. And once we sort of heal the underlying issue that's causing these patterns, um, you know, we can be free of them after we heal them. And then once we have this freedom, we can really align with our goals. Okay. Right. So, um, a lot of what I teach people is like, how do you get rid of the blocks? How do you get rid of the barriers? How do you get rid of the fear? How do you get rid of the, uh, the wounds or, you, you know, heal the wounds? Um, how do you turn your wounds into your strength instead of the things that block you? Um, all with the purpose of really, you know, creating your intentions and aligning with your dreams and, you know, manifesting anything you want. Love it. I mean, so I, I can relate to all of that. And I'd imagine a lot of the listeners can totally understand the the concept of, okay, we're, you know, you, you've provided some themes and some, some things to think about, let's, let's just say, and then how can you start applying that to your life? But like, how does it, where does the energy part fit in from the actual moon cycle? That's a, and excuse the naive question because, and I purposely did not look up a whole bunch of research on this because I wanted to take this, the approach that I think most of the listeners for this podcast would have. And, and it's that question, like, where does that part fit in on an energy level? Um, well, the moon, um, you know, energetically, the moon carries a, a, a certain vibration, right? So um, we can call it gravity, we can call it light codes. Okay. Um, you know, there is a certain pull that the moon, you know, uh, influences. And I always say to people, like, look what the moon does to the ocean. Look at the tides. Um, you know, yeah. this is like a very famous quote. It's like the moon obviously is controlling water. Um, and we are 70% water. <laughs> so, sure. No, that's a great point. Definitely. Uh, something going on and it most likely is, is gravity. Um, and you know, it's kind of funny cause I actually talked to my partner a lot about this. Um, I remember watching like star Wars and thinking about the force and how that's just, you know, it's gravity, it's energy. It's sort of all the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so the moon, you know, has a certain pull on us, um, and, you know, affects us in a lot of ways. Um, and as it's going through these zodiac signs, 
that carry inherent energy, which um, probably comes down to us in the form of light. You know, I, I don't think we're anywhere near understanding, you know, in the realm of physics, the effect that that actual light has on us and the effect that um, stars and, you know, light energy actually affects our being. Um, and you know, there's lots we can go into on, on that topic, uh, just as far as, you know, different fields of energy, uh, and how they interact with each other. Um, but you know, each Zodiac carries an inherent energy and passes it on to us. And this is pretty much how the Zodiacs were formed, right? So, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, uh, people realize there are these cycles. And um, with these cycles, the sun was in a certain zodiac, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you take something, you know, like Capricorn, which is a very sort of internal energy, solitude, um, you know, kind of staying within, staying indoors even, um, you know, and that sort of combines with January, and, and in the Northern Hemisphere, um, you know, that's like when we're cold and we're staying inside. And, you know, so it's like these repeating patterns that people uh, observed throughout time um, and, you know, realize, oh, lo and behold, the sun's, the sun's in Capricorn. Um, and, you know, this yeah. sort of happens with all 12 zodiacs, right? It's like, um, and this is the way like all, you know, like Chinese medicine, this is the way this has all been developed is through observation, right? Yeah. It's like people are just sort of observing the natural cycles and the natural rhythms of the, of the earth and what's happening, um, you know, and that's why when somebody is born in January and they're a Capricorn, it's like, Oh, you're going to be very serious and very focused. And, you know, you're going to like rely on yourself and you like solitude, you know, and these are like all the, these are all the energies of January. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and these are just the cycles of the earth and, um, you know, when the sun's in a certain sign, uh, you know, like right now it's in Aries, right? This is a perfect example. Like yesterday, we just had the spring equinox and, you know, the sun moved into Aries and, you know, Aries is the first sign of the Zodiac. It's this time of action and new beginnings and uh, taking leaps and, you know, sort of this arrow-like energy that just propels you forward. Um, and it's like, yeah, of course that's happening with the spring equinox. We're all like ready for spring. We're all tired of like sitting yeah. inside our homes in winter. We're ready to like go out and start start anew. Um, so it's, you know, all these patterns with nature, um, you know, and and how how, you know, the first person figured it out, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's so powerful. It's just to think of all of that. I know I agree with you. And it's, we're like, just, I mean, you're highly knowledgeable in this, this space, obviously, but there's so many people who are just scratching the surface. And I, I put myself in that, in that camp and it, I'm, I'm just so excited to learn more uh, about all of it because it all links and it makes perfect yeah. sense if you're if you're open to it. That's I think that's what's key. Like there's certain things like that's why I like you, why you or like how you gave that example about the tide. I mean, people I'm like okay, I, I get that right. Or people can understand when oh when you're thinking of a you know a friend and like those little nuances with with energy and 
and little signs that there's other things going on <laughs> that we probably don't know much about, but they're there mm-hmm. clearly. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we can't deny, you know, gra- gravity and, yeah, yeah, fair. Uh, <laughs> you know, that one's, yeah. that one's fairly well proven. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I sort of talk about that in the, in the new moon book. So when, when there's a new moon, it means the sun and the moon are together in the sky. And basically they're exhibiting these, the, um, a combined gravitational pull on the earth. Right. So it's like, if you can imagine they're like kind of both pulling it one way. Now, when there's a full moon, the moon is like opposite the sun, you know, um, on the other side. And so they're kind of like pulling it to opposite ends. Um, And, you know, the full moon is a much more erratic energy than the new moon. The new moon is sort of this calmer time. Um, where you can go really deep within mm-hmm. um, and is this period of darkness, right? So when there's a new moon, there's no moon. So it's, it's darkness. So again, it's like naturally people were staying inside. Naturally people were not socializing. Um, and some of these patterns are just things that we've done as humans and we've actually like created the energy because we've done this pattern so much. Sure. You know, before electricity, like nobody went out, you know, uh, during a new moon unless they had to. <laughs> you yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to go out at night. Um, and, you know, so new moons have become this time of introspection. And there is sort of like the sun and the moon, they're together in the same sign. So, um, you know, I always say, because the, the number one question I get about the workbooks is, you know, like it's the new moon in, in you know, it was the new moon in Pisces. So people will be like, well, my sign's Taurus. Can I use this one? And it's like, yeah, yeah you can, because, you know, everybody, this is, this is um, the energy of the collective. It's not personal energy. It's about, you know, the, the moon and the sun being together in the sky in Pisces and what that means for all of us together Mm -hmm. um and the things that we can work on and the energy that's sort of raining down onto us through the atmosphere um you know through through different forces of light and and gravity um you know and what we can what we can do what we can harness um with the energy you know what what pieces of that can we use to create uh different shifts in ourselves you know so Wow, I feel like there's a part two coming. <laughs> we could have a whole <laughs> podcast on this, which would be amazing. <laughs> but I, I, I definitely want to respect your time. So I'm going to start <laughs> wrapping up. Um, okay. <laughs> thank you so much, Jill, for sharing that. It's, um, and at the end, we'll, we'll definitely get, uh, well, in, in, in the show notes, we'll put all the links to, to your work. So, um, as I'm sure people be highly intrigued to see, um, some of these workbooks. I know I am. Um, (laughs) So I definitely want to wrap up with asking about some of your reflective questions. Um, I'm I'm happy, happy to obviously know that you, you journal quite often. Um, One of the things that you might know about Keo is we're trying to help people get started right with the practice. And we're doing that by providing questions from others around the world and in different industries and, and, and different practices and mindsets and whatnot. So I'd love to get your three, um, and I'm sure you have more, but I'd love to at least start to get three reflective questions that you find are, are very impactful in your life, either on a frequent basis or during, you know, big life-changing events. Um, 
I think my favorite question is, who would I be without this thought? Wow, I love that. And then, uh, and then I also just like to open end questions, right? So mm-hmm. I love to uh, just write "I feel" and then see what comes out. Um, that's a huge one for me. I I do that with "I feel" and uh, "I understand." Um, I love that I did. Uh, and I I did that this morning. <laughs> How am I feeling yeah. right now? <laughs> <laughs> just went to town. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's that's really powerful when you just sort of open and, um, you know, the question. Yeah. And then I'm a huge proponent of gratitude. And this isn't necessarily, I guess it is a question, you know, what am I grateful for today? Um, and that is, that's probably one of, one of the most powerful practices ever is just gratitude. And I believe that you can shift anything and you can change anything with that. Um, Like my partner and I have like a thing where if we're being grumpy or complaining, um, we have, you know, we do this thing where it's like, you know, drop and give me 10, which is, you know, list 10 things you're grateful for right now. Um, Amazing. And, you know, it immediately shifts things. So, yeah, you you can't. I, I've done that as well, and it's one. Of, there, there's a few quotes out there, right? Like you can't be angry or upset and and grateful at the same time. It's just it's it's impossible. So it's it. I'm always amazed at how how quick you know your your mindset shifts by just even listing one thing. Right? It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have to add to your to your questions because this one I'm I'm going to be adding to my morning practice. But what are my dreams? That was that's such yeah. a great great question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, that one. Uh, I write books on that. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> so, so speaking of, of of gratitude, Jill, that's usually how that's usually the last question I ask uh, all guests on on the podcast. And you know, as we're sitting here today speaking with each other, what are you what are you most grateful for? Um, I have a lot to be grateful for. Um, I mean, I'm grateful for the support I have in my life. I have amazing support. Um, I'm grateful for my fiance because he's awesome. He uh, has gone through this crazy ride of spirit daughter with me. Um, (laughs) And I'm grateful for my team. They're like absolutely amazing. And of course, I'm grateful for, you know, all the people who read my work and uh, who allow me to teach them. I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to to chat with me. And um, I know this will be incredibly impactful for, for people, our listeners, everyone, at least in our audience, has has an open mind to various practices. And I think this is, like I said from the beginning, this is something or these are topics we haven't covered yet. So it, it's amazing uh, getting this from the expert herself uh, in this space. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could talk for, for hours about this. So thank you. And where can people find you? Uh, probably at either www.spiritdaughter.com okay. or on Instagram at spiritdaughter. Perfect. And we'll, we'll link all that to the, to the show notes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. 